When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Talk is Cheap Giants podcast here from NJ.com, the Star Ledger, NJ Advanced Media. Daryl Slater uh, with Bob Brookover uh, talking uh, all things Giants and now uh, all things NFC East here uh, because really the Giants, of course, beat the Texans as expected this weekend in a winnable home game against a team with the worst record in the NFL. But they also had two games go their way um, that were probably not expected. I, you know, Dallas losing in Green Bay, not a stunner, um, but you know, people probably expected the Cowboys to win that game against the struggling Packers. And then on Monday night here, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday morning. On Monday night, the Eagles uh, no longer undefeated, losing to the Commanders at home and an even more surprising result. So now the NFC is within reach for the Giants, who uh, still have two games left against the Eagles, two games left against the Commanders, and then the Thanksgiving showdown uh, one game left there against Dallas in Dallas. And so it's eight and one Eagles, seven and two Giants, six and three Cowboys and five and five Commanders. That's your NFC East right now. Um, geez. I mean, this, this all of a sudden is interesting. It's not just the Giants chasing a playoff spot. It's potentially chasing, uh, the NFC East title. And, but we'll see. I mean, a lot of meat still left on the bone for this Giants team. You look at their chances, uh, of winning the division, according to the NF, uh, the, uh, the New York Times statistical projection model, it's it's still just 13%. So they still have a lot of work to do. Um, you know, rem- I, this, is a, this is a team that has not won uh, the division since 2011. And it's really been spread around in 10 years since. Washington's got three titles, Philly three, Dallas four, the Giants zero since, since 2011. And maybe this is the year. Um, we shall see. But um, really going into the last night, Bob, you and I both said, you know, probably, probably not going to have to worry about talking about uh, the Eagles losing to the commanders, but they did. And uh, here we are here. The giants are uh, with the division in sight. It's uh, it, it was really, when you look at it, a great weekend for the giants, as you, you mentioned, the, the two biggest division rivals, the, the Cowboys and Eagles both lose. They're they're You know, they're not in second place in, in the NFC East. They're in second place. In the whole NFL. I mean, there there's two teams with, with, uh, eight and one records, the, the Vikings and Eagles, and then there's two teams with seven and two records, the Chiefs and Giants, and that's elite company. Um, you know, it, but they've got to take advantage by continuing to win. And it, it, there's another way to look at what happened over the weekend. Well, it, it, it looks really good for the Giants. It also may have uh, uh, increased the difficulty of remaining schedule because the commander sure looked good last night in beating the Eagles. They controlled the ball for 24 minutes. 
Um, in the first half, the Eagles had the ball for six minutes. That's a team they got to still play twice. Uh, the Cowboys losing, um, you know, they don't want to lose many more games. So you got them on Thanksgiving and the Eagles will see how they respond to, to, to this loss. They play the Colts, the um, unbeaten Jeff Saturday and the Colts this weekend. <laughs> so, so, and, and, you know, when we're talking about the degree of difficulty of the schedule, even the game coming up, Alliance isn't a give me the Lions have now won two in a row. And we have, I think we've talked about here before that they can score some points. So, It'll be interesting to see how things go forward. There's a lot of football left to play, but my God, the Giants are right in this thing, and it's, it's fascinating to watch. It is. And eight games left in the regular season for for this team, the Giants, and uh, seven wins, which at seven and two is you can slice it however you want in terms of why that's remarkable. But this is you know their most wins um, since 2016, since they last made the playoffs, and they hadn't won more than six um, since then, and. Uh, Look, I mean, I think the fact that they're in it for the division is is notable. I mean, we talk about all the, the history that the Giants have had and the success recently, but they really have not had a ton of success winning the division. They won it back-to-back years in 89 and 90. Um, then their only titles since then, 97, 2000, 05, 08, and 11. Um, so that's not a long history of winning the division. Now, obviously, you can, you, as, as the Giants know, you can win the wild card or, get, or capture a wild card spot and win the Super Bowl. No rule against that. Um, but look, I, I think ultimately, um, you know, Brian Dable obviously wants to win as many games as, as he can here and w- whatever that entails. And as you mentioned, um, you know, Washington is no pushover now. It'll be interesting to see how those games shake out. And the Giants uh, now have a short week coming up because they do play da- uh, Detroit at home and then go to Dallas on Thanksgiving. But, you know, I think as you, as you look at this, it's 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 really become a much more fascinating and dramatic push to the finish here for the Giants. I'm, you know, look, I, I, the Eagles just as well could have won this game and then lost their next game. So at some point there could have been some wiggle room here for the Giants. And, um, you know, obviously the focus for the Giants is just keep winning uh, in controlling what they can control. And uh, But in terms of the playoff seating, um, last night did not affect that. Uh, the Giants uh, moved into second place in the NFC East, and then they remained there after last night. Uh, because the Cowboys lost on Sunday, the Giants moving up from the six seed to the five seed in the playoff pecking order. So at this point, the playoff pecking order is is the same, even though the Eagles lost. It's Eagles, Vikings, Seattle, Tampa, the Giants, the Cowboys, and the Niners, which means uh, Giants five seed, which is the first wild card. They'd be going to Tampa um, to play the Bucks. But look, the season doesn't end today. So um, as we look ahead... Uh, there's certainly, I think, a couple interesting storylines offensively and defensively. I guess we can just start defensively with with something the Giants clearly have to address here down the stretch. No Xavier McKinney. We, this happened uh, last Monday after we finished recording. He, he he announced he broke his hand in an ATV accident and very irresponsible of him. Uh, you know, I know obviously he wasn't he said he wasn't being reckless, but look, it's in his contract. He's not supposed to ride an ATV. He didn't know. He allegedly didn't know. He said he didn't know it wasn't it was in his contract. Uh, and now they're rolling with Dane Belton. So what's the task here for Wink Martindale in this defense uh, coming up against uh, Jared Goff, uh, Dak Prescott, and then they probably Carson Wentz, I would guess. Uh, uh, yeah, I wouldn't make that guess. Maybe not, right? I so I think that he, is three and one, Taylor Heineken is three and one. And, you know, he, he, the, the commanders really ran the ball well uh, Monday night, but, Heineke is just 
seems to have something about him that, that Carson Wentz doesn't. If I'm if I'm them, I ride with T- Taylor Heineke as long as sure. as long as that's the hot hand. Yeah. So. So, so the McKinney situation, and they play Dane Belton, the fourth round rookie, every snap against the Texans. Uh, what did you make of how he performed? He had his first pick, but uh, in some ways, a bit of an uneven performance overall, though. It, it was, and you probably sh- should expect that. Um, you know, yeah. Julian Love said after the game, you know, you're going to make mistakes, and rookies are going to make more than uh, more than established players like a established player like McKinney. But it, it, it was interesting that, you know, the, they kind of replaced him with Jason Pinnock too he got, because he had to go more into the Belton role and uh, be, as the third safety. And those two guys, Pinnock and, and Belton, come up with an interception and one and a half sacks in their first game without McKinney. Um, so even if you're getting beat, at least they're making plays too. Uh, and – that's kind of been the way this giant season has gone with the next man up mentality. Uh, it seems to rear its head every week where, you know, somebody does something well for them who, who you didn't expect to. I mean, that's right from the outset. When you think about the two outside pass rushers, uh, Ojolari and, and uh, Thibodeau being hurt at the start of the season, you fill in with Jihad Ward and O'Shane Zeminis, and those two have become an invaluable part of this team uh and that you know it started there and it's continued through the first nine games where hey you know it's a cliche the next man up mentality but it's a cliche because it's it's true and when it works it it i think it creates a chemistry in a team when you have more guys contributing and uh to to success you know that creates something special in a locker room yeah, for sure. And I think it'll be interesting to see. Um, it'll be a real test for Belton, I, I should say, going, you know, Detroit and then Dallas on a short week. This is something that I'd have to look. I, I, I can't imagine that in Iowa and the Big Ten, they were doing the short turnaround Thursday yeah, night. Never those. Right. So some some college teams play um, on Thursday yeah. night. I don't, the Big Ten does not do that. So the this Mac is an, does, the Mac does that. The Big Ten does not do that. Yeah, and the ACC plays some Thursday night games, but yeah, they do. doesn't. So he's used to the weekly um, routine, uh, and so I think it, the he's never. Well, you know, I take that back. He was active for the uh, Cowboys game, so he has a little bit of a of a reference there on Dak Prescott. Dane Belton does, but this he's a cerebral kid, and that's something that. Um, he only did play 11 snaps in the Dallas game, by the way, Belton. Um, he's a cerebral kid, and, the, and his teammates have praised that part of his game. And so that'll be an, uh, an interesting test for him. How does he handle just the preparation turnaround uh, from a Sunday to a Thursday uh, with that Thursday game being on the road? It's, it really comes up on you quickly, um, and this will be the first time he's had to do that um, because, you know, this is the Giants' only uh, – only Thursday game of the year, unless I'm unless I'm completely blanking. I you know, no, no that, that, that's right. But it's <laughs> so, a, it's a, it's a great point, Darrell, because you know he, he his highest point percentage was seventy nine percent in his first game against uh, Carolina. Okay. He had not, this was the first time he played one hundred percent of the snaps, and I mean that's that's the hard thing to do in this league. Where and and McKinney had done it twenty two straight games where he hadn't missed a snap. Uh, so that that along with the length of the season is a a big thing for a rookie to adjust to and and that's what he has to do and if Pinnock's going to continue to play I mean I think he had played 60 career snaps 
in his first two years in the NFL, uh, you know, he's going to play more than he ever has. So, yeah, and that's, you know, that's true for a, an entire team of that relies a lot on young players. You look at the, you, you mentioned the snap counts. Um, Belton, in, and he had played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games before this past one. I uh, played every snap in, against Houston. And in three of those seven, he played a lot. You know, 71, 74, and 79% of the snaps in three of those games. But other than that, he hadn't played more than 33. So he really had only played like three full, fullish NFL games before this, uh, before this game against Houston. So, you know, let's give him some time here to see how he adjusts. And, um, but, you know, that secondary really needs Adoree Jackson and Julian Love to be the pillars because at the other cornerback spot, you're looking at Fabian Moreau, who's been solid this year. Um, but Aaron Robinson is not going to be back this year. He's got a knee injury, almost certainly won't be back. Um, they, the Giants brought Cordell Flott um, back. He was active, but he didn't play in the game on Sunday. He has dealing with a calf injury. And so it's a patchwork group back there. I mean, like you mentioned Pinnock that they're, that they're playing, you know, Darnay Holmes uh, and, and some of these other guys who, who don't have a ton of experience. So they really need Jackson and love to be the pillars for that group Holmes played 59% of the snaps in that game. Um, and I, I believe Nick McLeod got 13%. So like they're playing these kind of no name or not known guys back there. Um, and they don't have a lot of known quantities except for love and, and Jackson. And uh, especially with that, that's why the McKinney injury was so brutal. I mean, and um, but they, look, they played Davis Mills and they did what they were supposed to against Davis Mills. Jared Goff is actually having a pretty decent year. He's eighth in the NFL in quarterback rating. Um, so it'll, wh- how will they handle the Goff Prescott turnaround? Look, I mean, Goff is not, uh, I don't even know. He's not Matt Stafford even. <laughs> so um, so th- th- that'll well, be a test. For he's second. coming off a pretty good game against the Bears. Yeah. And, yeah. And, well, let, look at, let, let's look at some of their po- point totals, 35-36. 24-45, they had a – I don't know what happened against New England and Dallas. They scored six combined, but then 27-15 and 31. Uh, you know, so that's one, two, three, four, five games with 27 points or more. That's uh, that's pretty impressive run. And, and and it means the Giants might have to score more than they have all season. They're ninth – the, the Lions are ninth in the NFL in points scored. Uh, but they're also 32nd of 32 teams in points allowed. They've been awful defensively. And, you know, if you look at PFF, even the Lions are 14th in offensive rating. And, and, and all, like, pretty much the entire uh, top half of the league has a winning record. You know, if you have, uh, you know, if you're a good offense, generally you're going to be pretty good. Then again, the Raiders are 13th in PFF and they're 2 and 7. So, uh, but I do think that you're right. Look, the Lions 30th and PFF and defense Houston was 31st. The Giants were able to move the ball for stretches against the Texans. They got a little flat in the, at the later part of the second half or the first half rather. Um, but this is a game where I, yeah, I think this is a good time to kind of pivot offensively to what the Giants need to do here. Um, and how sustainable is this run heavy approach? I mean, they threw the ball 17 times against the Texans. They ran at 47 with Saquon Barkley having 35 of those carries. That's the most carries for a Giants player since 1999 when the NFL was basically like a completely different sport than it is now. Um, How sustainable do you think that is? And Lions 30th and PFF, as we said, in terms of run defense are 25th. So like, why not keep running the ball, right? So, so in the midst of 
trying to write a story yesterday for, for this morning. I went down a rabbit hole because I was struggling to say exactly what I wanted to say. And I started looking into a bunch of different things. And I came to the conclusion that the Giants are basically trying to win the same way that the t- Titans have been winning for five years. Um, you know, and it makes sense because the, the Titans have Derrick Henry. Now, Ryan Tannehill's had some really, really good seasons for them. But they essentially run the football. They're always in the bottom five teams, essentially, at uh, throwing the football. But they're great at protecting the football um, and and controlling the clock and playing good defense. And that's been the Giants' formula. The, the one thing I've, I found out, figured out at the end was the Giants have been horrible for years at turnover differential. For over the previous three seasons, they were like a minus 25. Um, and they hadn't been in the top 10 in turnover differential since 2015, which was Tom Coughlin's last year. Wow. Uh, and this year they're plus four uh, and six tied for sixth in the league in that category. So you combine that with being ninth in the league in points allowed and having a running game that, you know, no matter what happens, uh, you know, yes, teams have been able to bottle up Saquon Barkley for a quarter or a half. Uh, but at some point during that game, during a game, Saquon Barkley is going to get his yards uh, some way, somehow. And, you know, it's a formula for winning that, that has worked in Tennessee. The other interesting thing I found, because I covered Andy Reid for a long time in Philadelphia, and didn't even realize this when he went to Kansas City, but the Chiefs, and you'd never think this now with Patrick Mahomes, were like in the bottom bottom six or seven for his first four, three or four years uh, in pass attempts because they were going with Jamal Charles um, yeah. and and who was the quarterback? Uh, Alex Smith. Alex Smith, yeah, drawing a blank there. And Alex Smith. And using that formula, oh, don't turn the ball over. Give the ball Jamal. Uh, play great defense. It's and it was a winning formula for him. And then Patrick Mahomes came along, and it, you know the it, the gloves came off, and it was throw it everywhere, which was Andy Reid in Philadelphia for the most part. But uh, you know, it's a formula that works. Uh, it's worked for other teams, and it's obviously worked for the very well for the Giants so far this season. I mean, the best coaches can tailor their offense, uh, Andy Reid, of course, and offensive-minded coaches like Brian Dable, to their players' strengths, and that's what the Giants have done this season and to their team's strengths. And um, Saquon Barkley, 35 carries in this game, 34 uh, or 31, rather, against the Bears. Those are the top two carry totals of his career. He also had uh, 22 against Jacksonville. That was, let's see, that's tied for fourth in his career. So Saquon, uh, Saquon said it was the most carries they ever had at any level, too, which I say – why wasn't that high school coach giving him the ball more? <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. He gets the ball every play. <laughs> right? Seriously. I mean, they um, – uh, yeah, well, what's going on there? Uh, I, I think, uh, yeah, look, they're tailoring their, their, their offense to what, to what they do well, um, and that's giving Saquon Barkley the ball a ton. I mean, he has a third, fourth, and fifth most rushing yards of his career uh, – uh, game-wise, through through nine games, had three like outstanding games: one sixty-four, one fifty-two on Sunday, and then one forty-six. I mean, uh, it's been an obviously a remarkably redemptive year for him. Um, I'm actually looking that up right now. He did carry the ball once against Indiana in 2016 at Penn State, 33 times. Uh, great memory for him, by the way, on that to know that he 
because he did have a couple that year in 2016, 31 carries, 33 carries, but he's right about college. I don't have the time to go look at the high school stats now, but, um, but yeah, I, 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 that's their formula, you know, give the ball to Saquon Barkley, especially again, it's against a team like a Texans that has a putrid run defense, like a historically bad run defense. And they're going to go up against a team in Detroit this week that has a, a similar area of struggle. And, um, but I, I guess before we get to Daniel Jones, just kind of finishing up the Saquon Barkley point here, uh, he did have contract negotiations his camp did with the Giants during the bye week. No surprise there. Also, no surprise that nothing got done. Also, no surprise that this will be tabled until uh, after the season. Um, his teammates have said this guy deserves to get paid like one of the highest paid running backs in the NFL. That probably means $15, $16 million a year, if not more, given the cap inflation. Uh, where do you stand on that situation? Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because the Gettleman regime uh, and it was ripped for taking him so high in the draft, and you know he went second overall that year uh, in, in 2018, and no no back has been no running back has been drafted in the top ten since then. Uh, you know the, the the thinking is it's 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 a foolish way to go because running backs are so um, get so beat up so fast that it's a tough way to, you know, have a franchise player. Um, and Saquon has certainly had his share of injuries. It's going to be interesting because is Saquon Barkley the best back in the NFL right now? I w- yeah, I would say yes, maybe Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry, you know, just redid his deal and he didn't get what Saquon is probably going to be looking for. I, I think the key when they when they do sit down to negotiate an extension – will be the number of years and not the annual salary. You know, I think, you know, can I, if I was the giants, I'd say, Hey, we're going to give you 17 for three or, or what's, what's the number you need for a single year. And we'll give that number times three, you know, and, and go from there. Uh, I think that will be the key when the negotiations do re- resume. It'll be interesting to see how deep into the contract Joe Shane is willing to guarantee money because right now he has a guy in uh, Kenny Galladay who's been a disaster, and we don't need to talk too much about Kenny Galladay. I mean, he dropped the pass. He got benched. It was part of the storyline coming out of this game. I mean, that you know they won the game, so it's sort of an afterthought. Um, there's not much that can happen there. He's a goner after the season, and, and I'd be shocked if he was a goner before then because of all the things we talked about cap-wise. So, um, but but the point with Kenny Galladay is it's almost a cautionary tale. It's $18 million a year, that contract, in, and it's it has guaranteed money into the third year, um, and that third year being next year, which is why the Giants are only going to free up 6-7 of his 21-4 cap hit for next year because there's guaranteed money into the third year. You look at some of these deals that have guaranteed money that deep into the contract, and they really have not worked out all that well. Um, the one guy who comes to mind with the Jets, Trumaine Johnson, was a disaster, the cornerback. I mean, uh, worse than Galladay even. And so um, the Ezekiel Elliott contract has not worked out great either. He's getting $15 million a year. He got $28 million up front. Christian McCaffrey, $16 million a year, 30 up front. He's been hurt. Um, so the reality is it's, the position is not durable. Um, and and it, Barkley's strong start through nine games and a 7-2 and two start does not change that reality. And so Joe Shane needs to kind of look at the totality of the situation and, and how he's going to approach it in terms of how deep into the deal does he want to give this guy money, right? So I think if you're Joe Shane, you're probably saying, look, you're not getting significant guaranteed money into the third year because at that point, 
Saquon Barkley is going to be 26 when next season starts. So you're talking about the third year, a guy pushing 30 who's had injuries. Um, this, all that has to factor in. What also has to factor in, and this is kind of a good point to pivot to uh, Daniel Jones here, uh, is how when we talked about this before, like how, what will they do with a tag? Uh, there is no there is no plural there. They have the option of a transition tag or a franchise tag. Uh, without getting in the weeds, the transition tag is a little cheaper. Um, and the franchise tag, a little more expensive but more binding. With the, That's the long and the short of it. They can only use one. They have two candidates for it in Barkley and Jones. They can use one on one of those guys, and that's it. So uh, it becomes a question there of, like, what do they do? Uh, they have to make a decision if they want to keep both. Who gets the immediate contract and who gets the tag? Uh, which the tag can be used as a placeholder for a contract to be given out in the summer. So there's just a lot to consider there. Um, it's 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 a huge thing, and they you know the the other thing about I mean, when you look at running backs and as great as Saquon has been, you know Derrick Henry was a second round choice. Um, you know his college teammate uh, the year came out the year after Miles Sanders with the Eagles. Um, would he be a downgrade from Saquon? Yes, but n- not a significant one. I mean, it's, he's he doesn't get the ball nearly as much as Saquon, but he's got 710 yards this season on, uh, and he's averaging five yards per carry. He was a second round pick. So there are, you know, it, it's if you're talking about the tag, you can probably go get a a you know a running back, and so many teams now try to do it with two backs anyway. You can, but you can probably go get your feature running back in a later round, whereas trying to get that quarterback not as easy although it does happen it i mean this is a really huge decision for joe shane because saquon barkley is the face of the franchise that let's be honest i mean optics matter for the giants you know this is a team where like um you know the face of the franchise stuff matters here oh, I, I love sterling Shepard's quote about these he's he's gotta he's gotta have an ny on his helmet <laughs> that's easy to say for a guy who doesn't have to thread the needle of of the salary cap and addressing all these other uh, positions like the interior offensive line that need work. And uh, it's always easy for us to spend Mara's money. (laughs) True, true. And, and, and to your point about getting a running back later and, you know, like Derrick Henry, I've I've said this a bunch Um, in the 18 draft, instead of going Saquon Barkley uh, uh, and then Will Hernandez in the second round, the Giants could have flipped it. Quentin Nelson, Nick Chubb. And guess what? I mean, Nick Chubb's been – the guy has 11 touchdowns this year, 904 rushing yards. Over the over the last uh, – he's been through, outstanding throughout his career. He's got 5,720 rushing yards and 47 touchdowns. Like, Nick Chubb has been – Those you know, guys can be had in the second round for sure. Better than Saquon Barkley. And so, you know – not to not to demean, he was drafted 35th overall. Chubb was just outside of the first round. Not to diminish what Saquon Barkley's done, but the reality remains here. Um, Joe Shane has to take a cold hard look at not just the the running back position in Saquon Barkley, but and we'll pivot here to our to our pal Daniel Jones. He also has to kind of look at the the risk reward of what do we do with Daniel Jones, who is. He was he's been steady but not spectacular this year. But to your point. It was a great point and great stat about the about the t- turnover the turnovers there. Daniel Jones now this year eight touchdown passes, two interceptions, a ninety two seven quarterback rating. Uh, he has lost just two fumbles, so four total turnovers uh, through nine games for a guy who had been turnover prone. He has not thrown an interception in one, two, three, four, five, six straight games without an interception. That's um, a career best. Yeah, yeah. and it, it impressive stretch here, and it, and then. 
<laughs> but then he he almost has a perfect quarterback rating against the Texans in uh with a performance that a 153 quarterback rating and a performance that doesn't really otherwise look eye popping. He did throw two touchdown passes. Granted, Darius Slayton was responsible for one with, with just running the ball in, but 13 of 17, 197. Um, I mean, can they, can they keep winning with a quarterback who throws the ball 17 times, doesn't turn the ball over? Um, and just, I mean, to some degree manages the game. He also ran it five times for 24 yards. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. so we know, we know, he can, good. We, we know yeah. he can do damage with his legs. Uh, and if you don't, and you know, it was a flawless game really by Daniel Jones. And if you play a flawless game with a running back who can carry I mean, he's not going to carry it 35 times every week, but yeah, it, it, you know, one of the interesting things too, though, I found in doing that was yes, the Titans and chiefs won this way, but to get to the next level, which, you know, isn't really the giants major concern right now, get to the playoffs for the first time in, in six years would be uh, would be the the optimal thing for them right now, but is is it can you go to the next level playing that way? I think it's a bigger question. I think it's sustainable what they're doing right now, especially you know we talk about this coming week against the Lions. Um, you know, it, it, it as the schedule goes on, it'll be interesting to see how they do in their rematch with the Cowboys and in their two games against the Eagles and even now the Commanders because. Um, you're talking about pretty good defensive teams uh, that, that will, can also put some points on the board. Um, so, you know, they they might be forced to play the game a little bit differently against those teams. I think it's uh, perhaps instructive here to kind of – because Joe Shane has, has sort of mirrored some of what they did in Buffalo in the rebuild in terms of uh, shedding some big contracts initially and taking the dead money hit in year one to be – in better cap health in year two. And he, and he is. Um, but when you look at the quarterback situation of what the bills did in, in 17, which is the, the first year of right of Brandon Bean, Joe Shane in Buffalo, they had Tyrod Taylor, who's with the giants now, and they traded him after, after 17, of course, to the Browns and they draft uh, Josh Allen and, and Taylor in 17 was pretty good. I mean, good enough to get him to the playoffs. <laughs> right. 89-2 quarterback rating, 14 touchdowns, four picks. I mean, that looks a lot like what Daniel Jones is doing this year. Um, and obviously we know he has the ability to, to run. And um, at that point, of course, Taylor was uh, 28. You know, he was uh, later in his career. So it's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison. But uh, as we all know, what they did in, in, in the 18 draft is they draft Josh Allen, who, uh, you know, was a superstar. The The – Notable thing there is that they they picked Allen seventh after trading up uh, from twelve. The Giants are not going to be seventh. They're not going to be twelfth in the draft. So Joe Shane could sit here and say, "Yeah, there's a quarterback out there next year that I like who is going to take me beyond the level of say if Daniel Jones is like a six and a half or a six, or out of ten of a quarterback. Maybe they, he sees a guy who's a nine in that draft. But the Giants aren't going to be within reach of that." most certainly. And so the winning has made it uh, a lot tougher for Joe Shane in some respects, in a lot of respects, as he tries to roster build, right? <clears throat> Absolutely. It's going to be, he's, he's by having a great first year, he's made his job more difficult for sure. Looking forward. Um, on the other hand, uh, you know, that's, 
and I think I, we talked about this last week too. Daniel Jones, I, I think people forget how young he is because he came into the league at, at such a young age. He's still only 25 years old. Uh, you know, he'll be 26 next season. So he's still a, a young guy just coming into his own. Um, you know, the, the, the other thing is, and I don't care who you're talking about, Stroud, uh, Bryce Young, Tevis, any of those guys are at least coming into next season. Are they going to be better than Daniel Jones coming into the league as rookies? Um, probably not, you know, cause this league is about seeing things and, 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 you know, learning from the things, learning from your failures. Um, and Jones has certainly proven that he's done that in his, in his, uh, four seasons. I think one possibility could be that, um, you know, Joe Shane could, could commit to some degree to Daniel Jones with a contract extension. It's he's not going to get Aaron Rodgers money. Um, but then if, if Daniel Jones comes out next year and struggles, um, maybe they hit the reset button the next year. One thing this year has done certainly is given Joe Shane and Brian Dable. Um, I mean, this was supposed to be in some respects, a mulligan year, a rebuilding year that you're not going to hold it against them if they lose. But the reality is, um, you know, if you lose, that's, you know, that's more, that's, that that puts a bit more pressure on you going into probably year three, right? Because then you need to do something in year two. Uh, if the Giants this year, you know, if continue to win, um, that, you know, that takes a bit of pressure off the, the, this GM and head coach, I think. It gives them more uh, leeway going forward. Um, sure, and the, you know, the interesting thing, you, you made the Buffalo analogy, uh, they did take a step back in 2018. Yes. Uh, and didn't make the playoffs, so. Uh, they, they, you know, they, they know what that looks like too. uh, this regime. So yeah, the Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean group, nine and seven in year one lost in the wild card round in 17. And so they looked at that and said, we're good, but we need a quarterback to take us to the next level. And that, uh, that guy, they decided was Josh Allen. And then I remember everyone forgets this, or maybe people who pay attention to the NFL a lot. Don't in 18, they go six and 10 and, and Josh Allen was not good. He was not good in 18. Um, right. And then things, uh, you know, things changed. I mean, he was able in in, in nineteen to uh, really. Well, Brian Dable came in in eighteen, but uh, Brian Dable worked with him um, in in nineteen and, and sort of molded him into the player he is now. And not sort of, he did. Uh, and so, it, it, like you said, it, it's going to take into the second year of a rookie quarterback. Will the Giants have one uh, next year? Uh, we'll see. I think <laughs> one team that probably will be starting over, I would guess, would be because you have to consider this too. Who else is in the market for a quarterback? Can the Giants trade up for a quarterback? All that stuff. Do they have the draft ammo to do it? I mean, that just makes it so much tougher. Um, and yes, I think the, as I just quickly alluded to there while going on a tangent, the Lions will probably be in the mix for a quarterback. If you look at Jared Goff's contract, they can get rid of him fairly easily. So that will be a team that'll be in the mix. Texans, of course. And um, but for now, the the Giants get Jared Goff and the Lions this week at home. Uh, how do you before we wrap up and 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 hit the road here? How do you see this game unfolding? You know, this could actually. <laughs> And we don't say this very often. This could actually be a high-scoring game because <laughs> uh, I, you know, I think the, the Lions can put up points, and the and the Giants are going to have to put up points. Uh, what, what's their highest point total this year? Twenty-seven, I guess, against the Packers. And That's a good question. And, and, yeah. And, and, and in many ways, that's probably 
That's right. You know, yeah. That's probably was uh, Daniel Jones's best game of the season. You know, he went 21 for 27 where, where they really put a lot more on him and he had to bring the team back from a 20 to 10 halftime deficit. Yeah, they're gonna ha- they're gonna need. This might be the first week that they uh, need to score thirty points, uh, and but I think they will. I, I think they can, and I think they will, uh, and I think they'll win thirty to twenty eight. I think we kind of looked at these two games coming out of the bye almost like together, right? Winnable home games. The Giants should win them both, and I still feel like they probably should win them both. You know, they definitely should win them both if they want to be a playoff team. The Texans, as we saw on Sunday, are just putrid they're a disgrace and they're and uh, this the poorly run organization uh disaster their quarterback situation is a mess um so i i don't really think it's fair to necessarily group these two teams together in the texans and the, and the lions at this point um because of all the things we mentioned i mean there's there the lions are superior and in several areas and and even though they are three and six uh, they they have won back-to-back games i mean they beat they won in chicago last week they beat the Packers the previous week, which, uh, you know, before that they had they had lost five straight games. So you think like total pushover. I don't think you can view them right now as a total pushover. And uh, you know, I, I, I think the Giants will lose this game. I could see it going either way. Uh, really? Pick, Uh-oh, shocker. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, this is more of a challenge for the Giants than that Texans game was. Um, and you're talking about a giant team that has really lived on the edge all year long. Uh, all of their games decided by one possession except the loss in Seattle. And so you've seen these times where the Giants' um, flaws can rear their ugly head like they did in Seattle. Now, obviously, the, the setting here will not be Seattle, and it will not be challenge- as challenging, and the opponent won't be as challenging. But uh, I think the Giants are, I don't know if do is the right word, but um, eventually they're, they're going to have a game here where they spit the bit against a team that they should uh, that they should beat. And I think that'll happen. I'll go 31. I, I can't remember what score you pick. So maybe this will be the exact one. Uh, 31, 28 lions. Um, and I'll write that down because we'll file our picks <laughs> later. Mine, this mine was 30 to 28. The yeah, other right. way. 30, 30 to 28. Okay. So I, I kind of was spacing there and looking up some lion stuff as you were talking, but uh, yeah, no, I, but, but look, it's not, it's not doom and gloom at the giants fall to seven and three. It uh, doesn't mean they're out of the playoff race. Uh, and you don't, as we said, you don't have to win the division to make a deep run in the playoffs. And so um, they bought themselves wiggle room. Uh, not the end of the world. If if they, we had said, look, they got to win these two games. I think that was an interesting point that we brought up. But like Dallas losing in Green Bay changes the equation a little bit because, um, you know, you look at how clear the Giants are of the eighth, eighth team. Washington's five and five. The Giants are seven and two. The, the eight seed being the first team on the outside looking right. in. So the right. Giants are are up three in the loss column from uh, yep. being in the playoffs. So they're, they're still securely in. And at seven and three, they're, they'll still be reasonably secure. Um, we'll still have work to do, of course. They'll still have work to do. But anyway, that's how I see things going. So uh, I don't know. Uh, we shall see. Anything else to add to that? Or I, I, I think we covered it all. Yeah, so I appreciate everyone listening and uh, enjoy the game if you're going this weekend. And we are just a week and a half away from Thanksgiving, which is crazy. So uh, enjoy the game, too, if you're going to uh, Dallas. We'll probably do a quick one of these next Monday, wrapping up lines, looking ahead to Dallas. Appreciate everybody listening. And be sure to like, rate, review us on all your favorite podcasting platforms. And we will talk to you all next week.